invite you to turn to the back of your hymn book, looking at the Canons of Dort at page 897. 897. I want to read to you this afternoon articles 3 through 5, and then we're going to open God's Word to the book of Acts and chapter 8. We started with God's right to condemn all people in Article 1, and then the manifestation of God's love in Article 2, and we come to Article 3, the preaching of the gospel. In order that people may be brought to faith, God mercifully sends proclaimers of this very joyful message to the people He wishes and at the time He wishes. By this ministry, people are called to repentance and faith in Christ crucified. For how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without someone preaching? And how shall they preach unless they have been sent? Article 4. God's anger remains on those who do not believe this gospel. But those who do receive it and embrace Jesus the Savior with a true and living faith are delivered through him from God's anger and from destruction and receive the gift of eternal life. Article 5, the cause or blame for this unbelief, as well as for all other sins, is not at all in God, but in man. Faith in Jesus Christ, however, and salvation through Him is a free gift of God. As Scripture says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, Ephesians 2. Likewise, it has been freely given to you to believe in Christ. Now please open your Bibles to Acts, the book of Acts, the eighth chapter. Beginning at verse 26, you find it on page 1692. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, And had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? 
Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So far the reading of God's holy word. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, whoever. Salvation is for those of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. The Lord gathers his elect from the ends of the earth. But how does he gather them in? How does he gather them in? Paul says in Romans 10, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Article 3 of the Canons of Dort says this, In order that people may be brought to faith, God mercifully sends proclaimers of this very joyful message to the people he wishes and at the time he wishes. By this ministry, people are called to repentance and faith in Christ crucified. How does the Lord gather his elect to himself? Through the power of gospel preaching. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. These precious truths are illustrated in our text for this afternoon. The man at the center of this story was a rather unlikely candidate for conversion to Christ. He was from Ethiopia in Africa. He was not a Jew, not part of the covenant nation. He was not raised in the land of Israel. Yet the Lord worked in him in such a way that he was able to say with all his heart, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Is that also your confession this afternoon? As we reflect upon the power of gospel proclamation, we want to focus our attention on Acts 8, verses 26 through 40. Please note three things. Number one, the men God sends. Number two, the message God brings. Number three, the mark God gives. By his own good pleasure, the Lord has so designed that the gospel be communicated through men. As we saw a few weeks ago, the apostle said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure of the gospel has been entrusted to fragile, weak, finite men. 
In our text, the man that God sent to deliver the treasure was a man named Philip. Look with me in your Bibles to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Children, do you remember who Philip was? He was one of the seven deacons who were chosen in Acts 6 to assist the apostles so that they would have more time to devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. He was a man of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. When persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem following the murder of Stephen, Philip was among those who were forced to leave Jerusalem because of the threat. But the Lord used persecution, as you know, to advance the gospel. Believers were scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, and the gospel traveled with them. Philip left Jerusalem and went to the city of Samaria, some 40 miles north of Jerusalem. And there he preached Christ Jesus. His evangelistic work was used by God in an extraordinary way, and the Lord even enabled Philip to perform miracles. Unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Verse 8 of this chapter, if you back up to there, it says that the result of Philip's work in Samaria was what? Great joy. Great joy. Many were convicted by the Spirit and granted the gift of faith through his preaching. The evangelistic work of Philip and other believers in the city of Samaria was a very significant step. For through their work, we see an unfolding of the Great Commission. Just prior to his ascension, what did Jesus say to his disciples? What did he say to his church? You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem had received the gospel, and now the church was moving into the second phase of the Great Commission as the word was proclaimed in the regions of Judea and Samaria. And then, as we move to our text, we notice that Philip was used not only in the first and second phase of the Great Commission, but also to begin the third phase. He was used in Jerusalem, he was used in Samaria, and now he is used to present Christ to a Gentile through which the gospel would be carried to the great African continent. Through the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, another milestone was reached as the gospel would be carried to distant lands. Well, let's have a look then at how the Lord directed Philip to present Christ to a lost Gentile. After a fruitful ministry in the city of Samaria, verse 26 tells us an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Philip, God's messenger, was directly guided by a heavenly messenger. The angel told him the direction he must travel. He had to follow the road that led in a southerly direction from Jerusalem and then angled westward to the coastal city of Gaza. Now, congregation, this is an interesting detail because at that time there were two roads from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
A traveler could also go straight west of Jerusalem and then down the caravan route to Gaza. The direction in which the angel guided Philip was the road that was seldom used. Not many people traveled on the southerly route. Verse 26 says that this area was desert. And if you've ever seen a picture of it, it is desert. Therefore, the instructions of the angel were rather unusual. Think about this. Philip had a successful, thriving, growing ministry in Samaria. Many sinners were being brought from darkness into light. But now he has to leave all that and go down to a desert road that was seldom traveled. Now, does that seem wise to you? Does it make any sense? Brothers and sisters, sometimes the Lord leads in ways that are beyond human understanding. From a thriving ministry to a desolate desert road. It's not exactly our way of doing things. It highlights the fact, the fact that Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian was not the result of human strategy. This was a divinely orchestrated event through which the Spirit of God would lead one of His elect to salvation. Of the thousands of Jews and Gentiles, the Lord sovereignly set His favor on this man Article 3 of the Canons of Dort correctly says that God mercifully sends messengers to the people He wishes and at the time He wishes. God mercifully sends messengers to the people He wishes and at the time He wishes. Isn't that the case today as well? Why did that missionary meet that unbeliever at that coffee shop on that day of the week, at that time of the day, a meeting which led to that man's conversion? Why did that Christian nurse meet that unsaved woman at that hospital, in that wing of the hospital, on that particular shift, a meeting which led to that woman's salvation? God mercifully sends proclaimers to the people He wishes and at the time He wishes. So, verse 27 tells us Philip's response to the angel's instruction. Even though it may have seemed like an illogical journey, he arose and went. As an obedient messenger, he began to travel along the deserted road toward Gaza. As he walked along, at a certain point, he noticed a chariot occupied by an Ethiopian traveling from Jerusalem to Gaza. The African nation of Ethiopia was a large kingdom located south of Egypt. Verse 27 says that this Ethiopian was an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. You might, you might call him the Ethiopian minister of finance, the chief treasurer. Brothers and sisters, what was this man doing here on a road near Jerusalem? Why did he make such a long, arduous journey from his homeland? Was it a business trip? Was it politically motivated? What was he doing here? The end of verse 27 says he had come to Jerusalem to what? Worship. Although he was a court official... 
a man of prestige and power, there was something missing in his life. There was a void. He had made the long, difficult journey at least 800 kilometers to worship. How this dignitary had come into contact with Judaism, we are not told. Perhaps it was through Jews who had taken up residence in Egypt and Ethiopia. We don't know. At any rate, this man seems to have left Jerusalem in no better shape than before. When Philip met him on the road, he was returning from Jerusalem just as empty as when he had arrived. Those he had come in contact with in Jerusalem were unable to give him satisfying answers. For you see, Judaism had been reduced to a system of salvation by works, justification by obedience to the law. It was a legalistic, man-centered, Christ-rejecting, God-dishonoring religion. The religious leaders were those who had done what? They had crucified the Lord of glory. They rejected their Messiah. No wonder this Ethiopian couldn't find what he needed. He was a spiritually destitute Gentile seeking assistance from a spiritually bankrupt system. The Jewish religious leaders had turned away from the truth to follow the traditions of men. And so this Ethiopian dignitary entering Jerusalem would be like a man today entering an apostate church looking for a way to fill the emptiness in his life. He enters the church, hears little about the cross, hears nothing about the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ, hears no call to repentance and faith, and drives out of the church parking lot unfilled and unsatisfied. He returns to his home no better off than before because the gospel was not clearly, accurately, passionately, and faithfully proclaimed. Dear friends, may that not be so in our churches. The Ethiopian was leaving Jerusalem as a lost man. Faith is necessary for salvation. And this man departed from Jerusalem with no true faith in Jesus. There he was on that desert road with no assurance of life eternal, no forgiveness, no pardon, no confidence of acceptance with God. His spirit was as dry as the desert sand under his chariot wheels. As Philip observed the situation, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, go to that chariot and stay near it. Here was the reason for his journey on the desolate road leading to Gaza. Philip was the man that God sent to be the instrument through which the sovereign work of, of the Spirit would be accomplished in this Gentile. Philip was the messenger the Ethiopian was the person to whom the messenger was sent, and this was the time appointed by God. We come then secondly from the men God sends to the message God brings. The message God brings. Although the Ethiopian did not hear the true gospel in Jerusalem, he did benefit from his trip there. How so? Well, verse 28 tells us that while his heart may have been empty, his hands were not. 
He had in his hands the writings of Isaiah the prophet. He had probably purchased a copy in Jerusalem, and on his way home, he was diligently reading it. As Philip ran up to the chariot, in obedience to the Spirit, he heard the man reading. It was common in ancient times for people to read out loud. This provided Philip with an opportunity to approach this complete stranger and to ask him, do you understand what you're reading? Philip himself was very familiar with the messianic prophecies of Isaiah, and he immediately recognized what was being read. This gave him a marvelous opportunity to teach the way of salvation. As a Jew, Philip knew the prophecies of Scripture. But as a Christian, he also knew their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And therefore, he asked the man, do you understand what you're reading? Although the Ethiopian was a high-ranking dignitary, he seemed to be so perplexed by what he had been reading that he took no offense to Philip's intrusion. He replied with what seems to be a measure of frustration. How can I, unless someone explains it to me, unless someone guides me? He openly admitted his inability to understand. He needed a guide. He needed a teacher. He then invited Philip to come up and sit with him in his chariot. How excited Philip must have been as he experienced the Spirit's power in bringing them together and in preparing this man's heart to receive the Word. In perfect timing, which was unquestionably arranged by the Spirit, the man had come in his reading to Isaiah 53. Look in your Bibles to verse 32b. Beautiful words. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. He was deprived of justice. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch was unable to determine whether the prophet was talking about himself or about some other man. He needed an explanation, and Philip was delighted to provide it. Keep reading at verse 35. Go down to verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached what? Preached Jesus to him. Philip preached Jesus to him. Although we are not given the content of Philip's sermon, we know what the central thrust was. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The whole message was an unfolding of the person and work of Christ. He showed the eunuch that the silent lamb of which Isaiah spoke, verse 32, was the Messiah who was the final sacrifice for sin. Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Philip could share with him how Jesus lived a blameless life, and yet he was arrested, put on trial, and falsely accused. In spite of all the lies and slander, Jesus remained silent. He gave himself as a lamb to be laid upon the altar. 
As the lambs of the Old Testament temple were consumed in the flames of the altar, so Jesus, the lamb of Isaiah 53, bore the burning pain of the wrath of God as he was condemned and crucified. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. He was mistreated, insulted, and debased, despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I suspect Philip must have went on for some time as he explained the need of the atonement, the sufficiency of the atonement, and the way that sinners could share in the benefits of the atonement. He was able to testify before this high-ranking official that Christ was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the answer. He could fill the emptiness within his heart and calm his restless spirit through his suffering, death, and resurrection. Jesus had the power to cleanse him from all his sin. Congregation, there are many people today like this eunuch who do not accurately know the gospel message. There are still people today like this eunuch who have never had it explained to them. And I'm not only talking about distant lands. Yes, there are tremendous spiritual needs in third world countries, but there's also a great need right here. Just think about it. If you read these words of Isaiah to the average person on our streets today, how many of them would have any idea what the true meaning is? If you were to randomly stop people over at, at No Frills here in town or at Canadian Tire and read to them verses 32 and 33 of Acts chapter 8, how many of them would understand that the silent lamb is Jesus Christ giving himself for sinners? There's a whole generation growing up in our nation today that is totally ignorant of the scriptures, ignorant of who Christ is, and unaware of their need of him. I suspect that there are a fair amount of people in this community who ride their horse and buggy to church on Sunday who don't rightly know the gospel. As a church, we have a responsibility to testify to our generation. We are included in what the Great Commission would call the ends of the earth. You are living in the ends of the earth. Right here in Ontario, Canada, there's a desperate need for gospel proclamation in our own community. Then congregation, as Philip was knowledgeable enough in the scriptures to teach the eunuch on the spur of the moment, so you ought to strive to be proficient enough in the scriptures so that you too can assist people, answer their questions, and lead them to Jesus. This is not only the work of ordained men, as important as their position may be, this is also the task of every single Christian. The Apostle Peter said, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. The mission is not only for seminary graduates, or for those who have had years of, of specialized theological training. 
Every believer is to equip himself so that he may be able to give at least a basic presentation of the gospel. If you are sitting beside someone in a bus or on a park bench or during lunch at the job, would you be able to explain to them Isaiah 53, Isaiah 55, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, or Isaiah 40? Would you be able to give a clear message to them concerning the person and work of Jesus? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Philip was the man God sent. Christ was the message God brought. Let us ask the Lord, congregation, that we also may be used of Him to testify to those who are lost. Let us pray for courage. Let us pray that we may have a a true and sincere love for the lost. And let us pray that when the opportunity is before us, we may be clear-headed in our gospel presentation, having confidence in the Word. Philip was obedient in the task that God gave him. May we also be obedient. We come then to our third point, having considered the man God sent... And the message God brought, we want to conclude with the mark God gave. The mark God gave. At some point during Philip's presentation, the Spirit of God granted this eunuch the gift of saving faith. Article 4 of the Canons of Dort says, God's anger remains on those who do not believe this gospel, but those who do receive it, and embrace Jesus the Savior with a true and living faith are delivered through Him from God's anger and from destruction and receive the gift of eternal life. Doesn't that accurately describe what took place here? He repented, put his faith in Jesus, the Lamb of God, and was delivered from the wrath of God. He learned that salvation is a free gift. By grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Presumably, he was then also instructed by Philip as to the significance of baptism. Philip evidently explained to him that baptism seals to us the promise of the gospel. It symbolizes the washing away of sin. Baptism is a mark of God's ownership, as it were, as water is applied to the believing individual in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It is God's mark upon an individual by which he is assured of the remission of sins and life eternal. Not that baptism itself grants eternal life. It is a sign, an outward symbol to denote an inward spiritual reality. It is a sign that the stains of sin have been cleansed from the heart by the grace of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, baptism means that the person is set apart to a holy life, consecrated to Christ, and called to a life of service, separated from the world. Philip presumably had some time to explain these things because we read in verse 36 that as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, 
Here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, there's so much that could be said and so many things I'd like to say about this baptism. We'll have to wait for another time. But allow me to just point out a few things. By the Spirit of God, the eunuch was convinced of the truth of Philip's teaching, and he desired baptism. Philip said to him, verse 37, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered with this wonderful declaration of faith, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The eunuch then ordered the chariot to stop. And the two of them descended from the chariot to the water where the Ethiopian dignitary was baptized. Having been regenerated by the Spirit, having understood the gospel, having been granted the gift of faith, the Ethiopian minister of finance received the sign of his identification and union with Christ. And then following the baptism, the eunuch witnessed a most extraordinary event. Look with me to verse 39. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. By miraculously snatching Philip away, the Spirit confirmed to the eunuch that he truly was a genuine spokesman for God. How the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, we do not know. But the Lord used this miraculous sign to indelibly stamp upon the mind of this eunuch the truth of Philip's words. Notice, congregation, that our text records no surprise on the part of the eunuch when Philip suddenly disappeared. He didn't search for him, but he simply accepted the fact that God had sent him to preach to him the way of salvation. The only response that is reported in verse 39 is that this new Christian went on his way doing what? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. He had received the Word. He had received the gift of faith. He had received the Spirit. He had received salvation. And he had received God's mark in baptism. He could now return to his home much richer than before. Now he was not only a servant of the queen of Ethiopia, but he was also a servant of the king of kings. As one who was a new creature in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, I think it is safe to assume that he testified of his newfound faith. Irenaeus wrote in the second century that this Ethiopian became a missionary among his people. Now, how accurate that is, we don't know. But the Lord had his reasons for targeting this particular man. Through him, perhaps the gospel was carried into the African continent. Only eternity will reveal the fruits of his testimony. The congregation... Just imagine the joy that must have flooded the heart of this man. He'd been in darkness. He had traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship. He had departed from Jerusalem unsatisfied, without the knowledge of salvation. But then, on that desolate road to Gaza, in the most unlikely place, 
the Lord found him, embraced him, and received him. God opened his heart to understand spiritual truths. The Spirit of God convicted him and he became a new creature. The burden of sin was removed as he trusted in that spotless lamb who was led to the slaughter in his place. He received the assurance that he was forever right with God. Do you have that assurance? Do you have that assurance? Has your burden of sin been removed? Are you forever right with God? Or does God's anger still remain on you because of your unbelief? Important considerations. Important considerations. Brothers and sisters, what a thrill it must have been for him to read and reread the book of the prophet Isaiah. Allow me to just briefly point out to you two things from the prophecy of Isaiah that must have been of special interest to him. Two things. First of all, verse 27 says that this Ethiopian was a eunuch. If we understand the word eunuch literally, then he never... He never could have achieved the status of a full proselyte. Although this man had traveled to Jerusalem to worship, as a eunuch, he would have been denied access to the temple, and therefore he could not fully participate in the temple worship. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1, we read these words. Listen. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the congregation of the Lord. Because he was a eunuch, he could not fully participate in Jewish worship, nor could he become a full proselyte to Judaism. He could attend the synagogue, but he could never become a full proselyte. Now, turn with me for just a moment please, in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 56. Please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 56. I think you'll find this interesting. Remember, this man had read Isaiah 53, right? Which means that he would soon read Isaiah 56. As a eunuch who had been denied access to the temple, these words would have spoken directly to his heart. Look with me to Isaiah 56, verses 3 and following. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. Verse 4. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Isaiah predicted the day when foreigners and eunuchs would no longer be what? excluded from the house of God or the assembly of the Lord. 
The Ethiopian may have been denied access to the temple in Jerusalem, but that was no longer important. The words of Isaiah were now fulfilled. Through faith in the Messiah, the Lord gave him a place within his walls and an everlasting name that shall not be cut off, a place and a name. He was no longer a stranger and a foreigner, but a fellow citizen with the saints and a member of the household of God. By the finished work of the suffering Savior, he was fully received. That which hindered him in Jerusalem would hinder him no more, for Jesus had removed all the barriers. This man certainly had good reason to celebrate. So that's the first thing. Then a second point of special interest from the prophecy of Isaiah would have been the many references to the inclusion of the Gentiles. At least 15 times the word Gentile is specifically mentioned. Isaiah 49, 6, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. How exciting it must have been, brothers and sisters, to read these verses in a whole new light, and to know that he was now a child of God through faith in the Messiah. This man went his way rejoicing. The congregation, the joy of this converted Gentile should also be your joy this afternoon. The lamb was led to the slaughter also for you. He was humiliated and despised in your place. He was forsaken and cursed so that you may be embraced and blessed. The message that caused the eunuch to rejoice is the same message that should fill you with joy. And then having understood that message, you have a task to do, don't we? Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Like Philip, you are to proclaim that liberating message so that sinners, by God's grace, will be brought into the kingdom of God through faith. Wouldn't it be wonderful, congregation, wouldn't it be wonderful if the Lord granted us more adult baptisms, baptisms of those who are brought from darkness to light, brought to faith through the Spirit by the testimony of the members of this church. God gathers his elect to himself through the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. May each one of you here today receive from the Lord that gift of faith, true saving faith through the word of the Spirit. May each one of you understand the truth of the gospel, believe it, and act upon it. May each one of you respond with mind and heart to the Savior revealed in the Word, the Lamb.
For if you don't, if you don't, Article 4 correctly says that God's anger remains upon you. Only those who receive the gospel are delivered from God's anger and from destruction. And so I urge you all to repent, believe, and receive it. And then may we all testify of His salvation so that by the power of God, sinners may come to make that encouraging declaration of faith, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that the Lamb was slain for me. Yes, I believe. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you still send messengers today. Those who are ordained to the task, but also each and every believer. Those who have been delivered from your wrath and from destruction. Those who have, by your word and spirit, come to understand the message of salvation, we all now are called to be messengers of your saving truth. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we will be faithful, that we may experience the joy of being used by you to communicate that message, the Lamb who was slain for sinners. May we, Lord, here in this congregation see your power at work through the salvation of the lost. Lord, would you stir us up from our complacency? Give us a longing to see others come to faith. We pray that we may, each one of us here, have a genuine love for the lost. May we have a true understanding of what hell is all about. And may it fill us with a desire to see sinners saved from it. Lord, if there's anyone here who's still resisting that message or indifferent to the message, if there's anyone here still living in unbelief, we pray that you will convict their heart, even as you did the Ethiopian eunuch, and then use them, transform them, to make that message known to others. Use the word that's proclaimed here from this pulpit to draw sinners into your kingdom. We beg of you, Lord, that your name would be glorified as you use us to communicate the message of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.